Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson, pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Delaney, so what? Welcome along to this uh, slightly experimental episode. We're calling it the Owen Odyssey Part 1. We're having a look. Uh, it's not a deep dive. It would, We're just dipping our toes into Michael Owen's most recent autobiography, which is called Rebooted. Uh, Sam's read it. Uh, I've just had a little bit of a look at a couple of chapters that we're going to cover today. We'll see if there's anything in there. There might not be. We just don't know. We're 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 diving blind, if you like, Sam. Well, I have read it, but it was a few months ago. I remember at the time, love it like thinking it was really funny. I think you know, if you want my quick overview of my my impression of the book, is yes, that he's called it reboot, and he's sort of wearing a hoodie on the front cover. And trying to look a bit like a bad boy, and what? And part of the book is it's an exercise in trying to change his image as an extremely dull man, right? Yeah, because that's that's what he's always struggled with, and you know, there's so. I mean, it's just become like a, a well-known footballing trope that Michael Owen is very boring and tedious. You know, he, yeah. he did that guy to Dubai that time in the helicopter, which was really mm. boring. His co-commentary always sounds more. He's got he's got a monotone voice, right? Um, and also, you know, back in those heady days of the noughties where it was sort of him and Beckham were the two golden boys of English football, mm-hmm. he was set against Beckham, who was very glamorous and lived this kind of rock star life as, as the sort of boring, basic boy next door. So mm-hmm. anyway, this book seems to be an in, entirely an exercise in trying to confront that. But at every turn, it sounds like he protests too much, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of kind of, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what a lot of people don't know is I smoked a fake once, so what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, t- one time t- I, I stayed out around my mates and my mum was like, Michael, where are you? And I was like, well, I'm not calling my mum. I don't need to. <laughs> it was one time when I let, I let the MOT lapse on the car. Yeah, and it, exactly. was, it, was, it wasn't MOT for, it was, I think it was four days. I mean, I was just—I dri- mean, I was just breaking the law, driving around. Yeah. It was like being a cowboy. No, I didn't actually drive around in it. I made sure it was in the garage, but it was an MOT. <laughs> and I got my sawn certificate. I did. I did I you didn't know, even you have go to get a sawn. S O R N. I didn't even go for the sawn. I, I just didn't even it. get the sawn. <laughs> <laughs> I think we found the voice there as well, <laughs> quite yeah. quickly. 
<laughs> All right, let's have a look. We'll start at chapter four, which is where he has been uh, called up into the England squad. It's pre-98 World Cup. Mm. Uh, Glenn Hoddle, of course, is the manager. And it's that infamous uh, get-together that they had when the uh, the squad was whittled down from, I think it was 26 maybe to 22 and a few players mm. missed out. Most famously, of course, Gaza was mm. ejected from the squad at this point. Where it was much like, was it again? Was it La Manga it, or someone like that? Yeah, I think it was La Manga. And, and um, you know, they did it like X Factor judges' houses. They did, yeah. You know, and, Glenn and, Hoddle invented that concept, yeah. Yeah, you walked into the room and Glenn Hoddle was flanked by John Gorman and, weirdly, Sunita, dressed in some <laughs> gigantic palm leaves. <laughs> yeah. And you go, uh, come in, uh, Paul. Yeah, um, you know, John, and this is Sunita, who's going to be helping us out in our preparations for the World Cup. <laughs> Sunita, <laughs> Sunita, hand me the envelope. <laughs> oh, I've never heard of you. I'm only 18. Sunita, <laughs> <laughs> of uh, course, that would be 13 years after her prime. It the, was. Yeah, but, but Sunita never ages. Sunita does not age, that's true. She yeah. does not age. Yeah. If anything, she looks better than she did back in her yeah. 80s chart days. I don't know what what she knows about Simon Cowell that has led to him supplying well, her with some illicitly acquired anti-aging, I don't know, equip, equipment, a serum. Yeah. Don't know. If you look at him, he's had all sorts of daft facelifts, hasn't he? Yeah. So whatever he's got, he's given it all to her and hasn't held it's, any back for himself, I don't think. Uh, exactly. Exactly. That's probably part of the trade-off, though. He's yeah. been told that he's not allowed to uh, to touch the serum. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, Very these days, in the 90s, in the 90s, she was working freelance um, at Glenn Hoddle's judge's house in La Manga, helping yeah. to whittle down the squad. I just think you've had all this time to assess the players, right? Um, mm. And you're on the verge of the World Cup. And I just think that by that stage, having had two years of preparation for the World Cup qualification and so on, that mm. you should you should be able to pick a squad. And I think there is something very cruel, almost like you're exercising some kind of Roman emperor style ego trip to call a squad that's too big, knowing mm. that you will then... I mean, imagine that, man. You're you're part of the gang. You're part of the group, right? It's mm. really exciting. You're all getting ready. You're all getting to that mindset. One of the greatest things you can do in your whole life, you're going to go and represent your country at a World Cup. You're probably having a laugh with all the lads. And then just as they're about to go, you go, actually, you're not coming. You're not coming, cunt. Fuck off. Go home. Watch it on the box, yeah? What? Why not? Well, despite the fact that I have been watching you play for your club side consistently for two years uh despite the fact you've been in several other england squads and um and played for me throughout qualifications and in friendlies i have assessed you over these last four days out here in the manga and i've decided after all you're not fucking good enough you <laughs> shit fuck off i mean it's me it's... john gorman and sunita and yeah. what's the name who was the who was the um witch he had with her who was the what the witch that he went around with, Glenn Hoddle. Oh, Eileen Drury. Yeah, yeah forgot about that. She's so that was his there. fucking team. Sunita, Eileen Drury, John Gorman <laughs> and Gorman. Glenn Hoddle. Yeah, me and, the, uh, me and the team have sat down and we've decided, Gaza, that you used to be good, but now we think you are shit. <laughs> Fuck off. 
don't <clears throat> invite them there, you should know it's so cruel to invite them along. Keep We're it aware. clean. Announce the squad. That's it. Have have standby players. Fine. Cases injuries. But yeah. just name your squad, name some stand-in players so they know not to go too balmy and fuck off. Although, imagine being a stand-in player. That's purgatory, like, on yeah. standby because it's like the other lads, you're either in the World Cup squad or you're out in Ibiza, right? Mm. But if you're on standby, you can't go and have a laugh in Ibiza, but neither are you at the World mm. Cup. So you're having to sit home, probably having to train out in your back garden or your I'm home a- gym every day just in case you get called up. I mean, the sensible thing to do is to name the squad, name the standbys, and then take them all the way to La Manga or wherever, and everyone of knows course. where they stand. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, don't leave them behind at home, training in the garden. Take no. them with you. But they know they know that they're probably going to go home anyway. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, Glenn Hoddle uh, displaying an ego while England manager, I don't think we ever saw any indications of that, yeah. did we? Uh, listen, okay, no. people are negative about Glenn Hoddle. I personally thought he was a really good England manager, and I always felt bad for him. Yeah that he, they, you know, there was that big... In fact, if you think of it, that thing where he talked about the disabled people mm. sitting in past life, echoes of Pharmacy Gate and me, Very only because so. it, it mm. was... I'm not saying I said anything as bad or as controversial as him, but it's a, an early example of the dogpile mentality. Yeah. Whereby someone said something... Everyone fucking leaps on it. And before he's got a chance to contextualise, <clears throat> uh, that's it. He's done. He's out. Toast. So Do you when, know what I mean? When, the do- when, once the dog pile started, it can't stop. We're nine minutes in and we've established that Glenn Hoddle, not only did he invent the judge's house in X Factor, he also was the yeah. pioneer of the, 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 the dog pile. But, well, um, he was the first victim of the modern dog pile. I guess so. I guess so. And there, there was a big era for dog piles because as we'll <clears> see... No, not short, shortly, shortly, but oh, in fact, before that, David Beckham was dogpiled because of his activities yeah. in this World Cup. Yeah, we come to that if we if we get to that in this episode. I suspect we won't. <laughs> so uh, Michael says at some point on the trip, we were all assigned a five minute appointment to see the gaffer in his hotel room. I wonder if there was a stopwatch that he had on the wall. You've got five minutes, and then you're out the door. Um. He says, I was two-thirds of the way down the list while me and the later guys were sitting around the pool speculating who'd be in and who wouldn't. Someone came out and said, lads, Gaza isn't in the squad. To me, this is unfathomable news. I, initially, I thought he'd be the first name on the team sheet alongside Alan Shearer. Um, and then another rumour spread that all meetings had been pushed back by half an hour because Gaza had flipped, thrown chairs around and generally smashed the room up. And you know who they said <laughs> Generally. Generally, yeah. I'm going yeah. to generally smash this up. That lamp's going over. I'm going to tip the bed aside and I'm going to squeeze all the toothpaste out in the bathroom. It's a general smash up. Nothing yeah. fancy. Yeah. Uh, nothing OTT. But no at the same time, it's get, they, there will be a sma- Things are going to get smashed. <laughs> and do you know who was sent along to try and calm Gaza down? Who? Good old David Seaman. <laughs> that one, that, that is a perfect choice. Yeah. It is the poetry because he's a gentle giant. He's, yeah. what, you do, what you're not going to... He commands natural respect. Mm. I think that if they'd sent... Who was the catcher at that time? Tony Adams. Tony yeah. Adams, an eccentric. You you just don't yeah. know Adams how he's going to handle them, it. Adams could have just easily said the wrong thing and made it 100 times worse. Yeah, exactly. 
But Seaman doesn't have to say much. He goes in. He's a big, gentle giant. He could probably pick Gazza up. He probably, and he's got that lovely sort of comforting Yorkshire <laughs> accent, hasn't he? Like, oh, yeah. no, oh, 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 no, oh, no, 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 no. Come oh. on now, Paul. No. What's all this? A general smash up? I oh. think we should we should send we should send David in because because uh, he's big <laughs> and he's from the north, so he'll understand him. They'll understand, him, and he also be able to pin him down if he starts yeah. again. I've uh, I've done some diagrams here, John Gorman. Um, just a few sketches, and this if you look at this, this is a, an image of what it would be like. And I've drawn them to scale, obviously. If David if if David Seaman was to lie on top of Gaza, <laughs> as you can see, Gaza has very little room for manoeuvre. He can't. There'll be no smashing up. He can't move. <laughs> I've I've actually drawn drawn David as a bear there as well. <laughs> Because I, I enjoy drawing bears. I find it very <laughs> soothing. So where uh, Seaman was sent along, uh, and it oh, says... Paul, uh, what's this, man? Oh, no, Paul. <laughs> oh, no, I'll tell you what, Paul. I'll go and get some tools, and we'll put this chair back together, me and you, and have a good chat about what's happened. And maybe we can maybe we can learn a few lessons about how we've all conducted ourselves today. How does that sound? You put kettle on. Yeah, so, um, yep, that was it. That was the, the Gaza was gone. Uh, and Michael talks about uh, when he first got into the squad and uh, that, that training camp. They were at. Steve McManaman showed me around, he said. He's, he's where we have breakfast in the morning, he said. There's where we have our team meetings, he added. <laughs> and then he opened the door to a room with a giant screen on the wall. And there was Gaza sitting playing video games on the big screen. All right, he said, barely looking up. As I walked over to shake his hand, I took careful note of the empty wine bottles on the table in front of him. Oh, careful <laughs> note. Interesting. And the empty sleeping pill packets. No. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. I thought, oh my this God, is this is Gaza's bad. Gaza's rig. Gaza's rig, yeah. Wine, video games. I've been Mario Kart maybe. pills. Then. And pills. All right, doesn't even look up. I'm having a great time in here. Do you want to join in? Yeah. Oh, no, thank you, Gaza. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't even know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Do you play in front of me or behind me? In front. <laughs> right, I'll pass forwards to you then. Do you want me to pass the ball to you? <laughs> yes, please, <laughs> if you get an opportunity. Oh, well, you know, play your cards right and I might. <laughs> Want any pills or wine? No, thanks, not at the moment. Well, have you had enough yourself. wine for the day? Suit, suit yourself, you, you snobby cunt. Have you, fi- have you finished all your own wine, like? Where are your pills? I haven't got any pills. <laughs> Why not? What? You, what? How do you get to sleep? <laughs> yeah. Do you have to bash yourself over the head with a big <laughs> mallet? <laughs> I run around a lot and I get tired. <laughs> oh, fucking hell! I used to do that. <laughs> Them were the days. Oh God! Fucking hell! Gaza's room. Kind of, it's like yeah. Prince Margaret's special room. She used to have, didn't she? Yeah. They say it's just a bit Michael Jackson esque, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Locked away in his own private world. Yeah. With these these things to. Uh, and Michael to, Owen at this stage is seventeen, right? I mean, a child. Yeah. A mm. fucking child. He shouldn't have been exposed to that sort of thing. Well, that's what he, he mentions a bit later on. He talks about he, he gets it's uh, suggested that he should have been a more vocal and, and mature member of the squad. But yeah, like he says he was just a kid, and he was dragged along 
and he did he did his job. But it was it was extraordinary what he did because he mm. shouldn't have been doing that sort of stuff at that age on the, on that kind of platform. But um, we'll get to that a bit later on. He says from that moment on, Gazza and I formed as comfortable an affinity as anyone could with him. Um, there was definitely a healthy degree of mutual admiration that continues to this day. I always and still do want the very best for him. Um, <clears throat> when my appointment came round, I walked into the room and looked around for signs of Gaza's reputed damage. There was none. Everything looked perfectly orderly, and Glenn himself was calm as if nothing had happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, John Gorman. Okay, John Gorman. Full reset. Full reset. 30 <laughs> minutes. Uh, go. Hey, boss. <laughs> That's that's a res- that, no, that's a that's a physical reset of the room and also a reset of our minds and psyches. Glenn, Glenn, there are certain items that have been uh, smashed. I will require some super glue um, <laughs> of some sort to reassemble. For instance, this vase that Gaza smashed. Right, right. Just, uh, sweep that up. Put it in the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to notice it's gone. I don't know. <laughs> Reed Parler is a very observant man. The first thing he'll see when he walks in is, where is that vase? <laughs> was there well, that also? Your only was... choice is to go into the local um, supermarket there down the yeah. road in Lamanga and see if they stock superglue. But frankly, I don't know if they have superglue in this country. <laughs> they might just have prit. I don't know. <laughs> we haven't really got time. We've, we've set ourselves a 30-minute reset. We don't really have time to go down and experiment. Um, Sunita, could you go down? <laughs> but I'm just wearing these leaves. <laughs> yeah, it might caught too much attention. Here's a, here's a fucking here's an idea. Then, Irene, can you think the vase back together? <laughs> I'll, give it, I'll give it my best, Glenn. <laughs> Irene. Puts, puts two fingers against each temple and stares at the broken vase. Mm. No, it's not oh, working. I, th- I think I think it moved a little bit there, Eileen. I think one of the, the spirits, fragments moved. The spirits do not will it. <laughs> I am merely a I am merely a conduit for them. They do not will the vase to be put back together, and so Va- it is. <laughs> vase reassemblage is not within my remit. <laughs> <laughs> Right, John, you really are just going to have to sweep that up. (laughs) Put it in the wardrobe. Jalapeño. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Jalapeño. It was also reported as well that he had a, a Kenny G CD on, didn't he? Well, he had people yeah, in. to calm people to down. To keep people calm, yeah. But uh, who knows? Um... <clears throat> so then, you like uh, yeah, Mike. Ha- hello, Robbie Fowler, come in. Do you enjoy the music of Kenny G? <laughs> what? Uh, Kenny <laughs> G? He's not even shout. Is he shout? I don't believe he is, no. It's not the Beatles, is it? Have you all got the greatest hits of the fan? They're great. 
<laughs> what about a home the body, man? <laughs> I find that relaxing. God. Uh, so Michael went in for his appointment, and uh, Glenn just said, first of all, you're coming. You're in the squad. Michael says, phew. And then Glenn adds, phew. Phew, <laughs> boss. Uh, and I don't want you to think you're just coming for a ride. You have a big part to play in this tournament, he then said. So there we are. The the, the challenge has been set down for him. Uh, and he says, as it turned out, when June came around, the World Cup in France was a huge eye-opener. Um, if, if it had been me managing an England squad 20 years ago, I'm not certain I would have done it in the manner of Glenn Hoddle. So that's, mm, that's right. is that controversial? That's not really that controversial, is it? Well, it's um, just like, oh, I just said, it's a fucking mad thing and it would have been really bad for the spirit of the camp. And people say Gazza was mad. Clearly he was mad at the time, but, I've, you know, fucking anyone would have felt like smashing it up. Especially Gazza. I mean, he would have had no... no none of us saw it coming. Do you know what? Mm. It's a bit like um, people say about JFK when he was killed or to our generation, it's a bit more when you heard that Lady Di was dead. Yeah. Is... um. I remember exactly where I was when I heard the news that Gaza wasn't going to the World Cup in 98. <laughs> I suppose the equivalent, <clears throat> if you're a youngster listening to this and you weren't about in those days, the equivalent is England would be going to World Cup and the news would break that, I mean, we don't really have an equivalent star to Gaza anymore, but I suppose it would be like Harry Kane yeah. or possibly Raheem Sterling. And it was just announced that, you know, out of the blue, with no, no explanation... A fully fit uh, Harry Kane has just not been picked. Yeah, that is what it yeah. was like because he was—he remained our talisman and our star, and mm-hmm. people didn't think that England had any. That he was our only creative people. Thought he's our only creative force. He's the whole team is built around him. Yep. And um, it was really—I was on holiday in Italy, and my brother had a mobile phone, but it being ninety-eight, that was quite rare, and signal was hard to get. Mm. And he was upstairs trying to get signal to pick up a message. And he picked up a message from another of our brothers who had rung, especially rung us up in Italy, which in those days, of course, was, you know, still quite a Cost big a deal lot of money, yeah. someone when they're abroad. Well, it and will do again left, soon, won't it? Cheers, Brexit. He'd left a voicemail, all crackly. And it was like, <laughs> Gaz has been dropped L- London the calling. squad. London calling. <laughs> Hello, is this Italy? <clears throat> this is London calling. After the pips, I shall reveal <laughs> breaking news from the England World Cup camp. Beep, 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 beep. Gaza has been dropped. Beep, 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 beep. He has generally smashed up a hotel room. Beep, 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 beep. There ends the message. Kenny G music not confirmed. <laughs> so... Michael says that Glenn was adamant that our squad environment at La Ball in Brittany should be a camp in the purest of senses. Within that camp, we weren't allowed newspapers and we weren't allowed the radio on. We weren't allowed to interact with any of our family or friends, even after the games. These were big calls Glenn made at that time. Mm. Probably for the best. Can you imagine gathering that kind of environment? Fucking hell. Oh, permanent shit, no. lockdown. Um, We've had every type the- of England camp, if you think about it. Because we had that, which was obviously really mad. Yeah. But that's what I do, Euro 96, where El Tell was a bit like, Oi, oi, lads, get a piss yeah, in. We're on our turf 
It's all then right. It's it's chair. Chair. It's chair. Chair. Let's go to Hong yeah. Kong and do a dentist chair. Right. And then you at the under Capello it sounded like fucking hell. Yeah. Right? Like in South Africa, where he's like, You all have to go to bed. Right, because that's what Italians do. <laughs> Don't come in and try and make English people who adore fun, right, uh, act like Italians who are I've had, quite I've had weird all, and boring. All the, walls, all the walls in the rooms all been painted grey. Yeah, you will all look at grey and nothing wall. else. Stare at the wall and then you fall to sleep, and you must not dream, and you must not dream about anything. No dreaming, dreaming. is banned. No dreaming. That's that is not the Italian way. So that was shit. You had to uh, sleep in this special like helmet. But then he got Barden Barden, had- where apparently they're all shagging each other's mums and doing coke. It was it was a big bunga bunga party, wasn't it, Barden Barden? Bunga Barden Barden just sounds like the best fun to have ever happened. Yeah. That's Someone what we judge the tournaments a, on. Do you know what? That would be a that would genuinely be a really you know that that sky now make these films where they recreate famous moments yeah they dramatize them don't you think someone should make a dramatization yeah. with famous actors of Barden Barden? yeah we'll do it <laughs> be fucking great wouldn't it yeah you can play Svengon Erickson I'll be Todd Grip oh <laughs> what was Todd Grip's name again it was one of the translators I've forgotten now strong hand wasn't it was that what it was <laughs> I'm going to quickly Google it and see if I can find out. Tone grip yeah, I think we were obsessed with this for a while when we did our World <clears throat> was, Cup recap. Yeah, Thunder Grip, apparently. Thunder Grip! <laughs> Fucking next James Bond film. Thunder Actually, they, the pair of them did look. They they were like, uh, there were shades of. um. Oh, what are they called? Those two in Diamonds Are Forever, those two fucking weirdos who attacked James Bond with the flaming kebab skewers. Oh, I don't know. I've not watched a Bond film for about 20 years. Oh, well. Anyway, they were a bit like a couple of bomb baddies, weren't they? Thundergrip yeah. and Sven. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, Michael elaborates a bit more on the diet that they had. Uh, and he says that we were all like a pint and a pie sort of fellas. And it was that thing they'd yeah. go off in the summer and put two stone on, then run it off when they came back to pre-season training. Yeah. But um, Glenn, of course, had been abroad. Glenn mm. had... Fancy he, foreign ways. He, he, did he? Didn't he work with Wenger? Was he? Uh, yeah, Monaco, at Monaco. And Wenger was he, there. The Wenger yeah. was like his his Svengali. Yeah, he was like his mentor and Svengali. Everything he, he was obsessed with the Wenger way. It's all that. Yeah. Now there's a thing that they eat in France, lads. Don't be scared. <laughs> it's called broccoli, right? <laughs> and it looks. Get this. I'm not joking. It looks like little miniature trees. Yeah. Right. So it's but, quite cute. Quite a novelty. It don't taste like a... No, yeah. now stop, Paul. Paul Mercer, stop crying, right? You don't need Paul, to cry. Paul, stop I want panicking. You to imagine, I want you to imagine for this, Paul, I want you to imagine that you are a big, scary giant and you're eating trees. Now, don't you feel special? <laughs> I don't want to eat a tree! Stop it. Everyone stop panicking. Sit down. Get back in your chairs. Why? Stop running around. Put your seatbelts <laughs> back on. What's Everyone, wrong with you? stop it and look. Now I'm going to show you a piece of this broccoli, and I don't want any of you to start screaming or throwing yourselves on the floor, right, <laughs> or crying or trying to run out of the room because John Gorman has locked all the doors. Now this is a piece of broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Zidane eats, and that's what he says as well. Um, 
it was it was a bit jarring because it was all too new to us. Food would be boiled chicken, boiled rice, or boiled pasta and broccoli for every meal. No sauce, no nothing. And the motto above the door of the <laughs> Where's camp canteen. Where's the sauce, man? <laughs> I've no sauce. Of me I've brought some sachets in me suitcase. I'll bring them down. <laughs> I've now, got Paul. all the different colours: brown, red, yellow, the lot, white. <laughs> The motto above the door of the camp canteen was, get this, chew to win. Oh. Basically, what this meant was he didn't want any of us eating loads of food. Instead, he wanted us to chew every mouthful three or four times more than we normally would. Oh, fuck that. So that you would extract more fucking vitamins or whatever from them. This is a bit like um, Nuts in May. Have you seen Nuts in May, the, the yeah. Mike Lee film? Yeah. Where uh, he gets his wife to chew her food 72 times before yeah. she swallows it. But uh, she says that it was something like a mushroom. It'll just disintegrate before you chew 72 times. But exactly. People are always on about fucking chewing, and it pisses <laughs> me off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just another thing that people use. It's another stick people used to beat you with. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Every There is not a single fucking element of the human existence that there won't be some miserable fucking Lampard trying to lecture you about how you're doing it wrong. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, People exactly. tell you nowadays, I mean, one of the most common things you hear is people telling you that you're breathing wrong. Well, don't they? It, this no, is a it's so important thing. to breathe. I know it's yeah. fucking important to breathe. You can't teach yeah. me how to breathe. It's the one thing that, or it's the great leveller, isn't it? Breathing. Because it's Pretty the one much, thing that every cunt yeah. can do from we, the moment we, they come out of their mum's tummy. All have a, you know, some of us are better than others, but we all, we all give it our best shot, don't we? Yeah. And it's the like, don't game. fucking try and lecture me about breathing. Breathing's, how I breathe is my business and how I chew is my business and I don't need to be guilt-tripped about the basics. Do you know what I mean? When I stop fucking breathing, that's when I want your input if you've got yes. anything to add. You know, and when I stop call chewing, 999. When I stop chewing, you'll know I've fucking finished my dinner and it's time for fucking pudding. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah, chew to win was the uh, the motto. <clears throat> and he says, the broader daily regimen was no more palatable. This is, a, this is good. Each day we wake up, have breakfast, and then train from 10 till half 11. Then you have lunch at 1 o'clock. And then, between lunch and 7 o'clock at night, you'd do absolutely nothing whatsoever other Fuck. than staring at the wall in your room. So it's, it's a bit... Um, Capello. Capello-esque. Imagine yeah. the amount of wanking that these lads did. They were young... They're, you know, they're, they're mostly, some of them are in their teens. I mean, Michael Owen, 17 years old, he's probably peak wanking age. Of course, you know yeah. I mean? yeah. And um, even the older lads were still, you think of them as older, but the older lads are still like early 30s. Do you know what I mean? Um, Which is still, I mean, when I was in my early 30s, I was probably still wanking quite oh, a yeah, lot. Yeah, I'd have knocked, knocked one out now and again, yeah, of course. Yeah. And when you're bored... <clears throat> I mean, if I was to, lo- to put it this way, my early thirties, if I was locked in a room from lunch till seven every day, all on my own with nothing to do, then mm. yeah, I would have definitely, definitely yeah. been doing probably, that probably, probably t- most days. Probably till it bled. I reckon. Looking out the window <laughs> wistfully, seeing if <laughs> there was any what, French look, ladies look I could at, entice up to the room. Looking down at Sunita sunbathing by the pool. <laughs> Trigger. <laughs> 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 with my binoculars. <clears throat> 
Uh, so yeah, they'd do nothing other than stare at the wall. By the time dinner rolled round, you'd be genuinely excited to go downstairs, not because of the bland culinary delights that are weird, but because you could actually talk to someone. <clears throat> I wonder if they were in one man per room, then they didn't have roommates even. That makes, that makes it sound like that's how it was. I'd Fucking hell. Yeah, but privacy is nice, isn't it? Yeah. Especially if you're wanking. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, you've got to have one in the bedroom, one in the bathroom, haven't you, if you're sharing a room? Yeah. But, Mind uh, you, these ideal. footballers. Yeah, oh they're in all sorts, aren't they? Have I, have I ever told you that story? And I, obviously I will not fucking name the footballer, although it is a footballer that is known to you and I and most people. Anyway, he told me <laughs> about when he was young and he had just broken into the first team at his club, Premier League mm. club. I can't believe I haven't told you this, but I might have done. And he was, uh, and it was an away day. It was a away trip and it was Friday night mm. and he'd been told by the manager that he was going to play the next day, make his debut. And he was rooming with a more senior pro. And the senior pro was in the shower. And the lad I'm talking about was lying on his bed watching telly. Mm. And two other senior pros knocked on the door. And, and then the door was sort of unlocked. So they just burst in. And they asked for their mate. They said, they looked at the young lad on the bed and they went, where's so-and-so? And he went, oh, he's in the shower. And they went, and who the fuck are you? And he introduced himself and he said, well, I'm, I'm so-and-so. And, uh, I'm Johnny I, I, New Kid. Yeah, and he goes, I'm, I'm playing in the game tomorrow. And one of them goes, oh, fucking are you? Think you're a big man, do you? And listen to this. He said, as he said it, the senior pro, who was a goalkeeper, reached under the duvet, because he was lying under the duvet, grabbed his cock, right, <laughs> and started wanking him off. <laughs> But in a way that this young lad, I mean, when he told me the story, he was no longer a young lad. He was a retired footballer, but he was just telling me. So he said, yeah, he goes, it was sort of like, I said, that's like sexual assault, mate. And he went, yeah, but it was done in a sort of bantery way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I think you're Billy Big Bollocks, do you? Let's have a feel of this. Different times, wasn't it? And I said, what did you say? And he just said, well, to be honest, they left. And all I was doing was, was like looking at, quickly checking my cock to make sure that it was all in one piece still. <laughs> Nothing had come out the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty dark, isn't it? Was there not, was there not, I, I don't want to name names in case this isn't right, but I'm sure there was a, a goalkeeper at a club back in the 80s and eventually it came out that he had a thing for putting deep heat on his gloves and then sticking a finger up the arse of the apprentices. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? It was all that kind of initiation shit. Yeah, that's what it was all part of. Yeah. This sort of initiation weird shit that goes on. And it obviously sometimes, probably not the case anymore, but in the old days, it was really fucking borderline stuff. People are fucking horrible, aren't they? Mm. (sighs) Anyway, uh, so, yeah, he says you'd be... um, <clears throat> genuinely excited to go downstairs just because there'd be someone to talk to. Then you'd go back to your room, stare at the walls till you went to sleep again and repeat. It was all so sterile and boring. <laughs> and yeah, you could imagine Gaza would have just flipped Yeah. in that kind of situation. So probably for the best that he didn't go to 98. We'll leave it there because the next bit is in the uh, in the first match of the World Cup. Where, um, yeah, 
And, uh, and heady times for Michael Owen. I mean, it was incredible this World Cup. Although yeah. England people, you often forget that you only got that England only got to the second round yeah, exactly. because it felt yeah. like Italia ninety. The France ninety eight feels like one of those legendary World Cups where England went on this incredible adventure. But mm-hmm. they got to the second round, and it was only an unlucky draw because we were good enough in that World Cup, in my opinion, to go to the semi finals. Yeah, um, but uh, we were unlucky. Because we got to, off to a slow start in the group and then came up against a really good Argentina team well, in the second round. It was but, an unlucky, unlucky draw, but then it was unlucky that we we didn't go through on pens after we played with ten men. Yes, exactly. So, game, so. We, we were unlucky. It was a great team, and I think it would have gone to the semi-finals if it had got through that. But there was lots of wonderful things about the, the team and and the, all the games. But the, easily the biggest and most amazing thing was this seventeen-year-old kid getting yeah. picked in the squad in the first place, which was amazing in itself. But then on top of that, fucking going on to score um, goals, uh, including one classic, which we'll get to, and just it, lighting up the whole tournament. It was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, and the way he describes it as well, which we'll get in the next episode, yeah, is I love fantastic the way he describes well. the goal. It, it just, it just yeah. makes your heart sing. So that's yeah. it. Uh, we, we had a go. I think we got away with it, so we'll do another one. I think it was good. We'll do another episode of this. Uh, next week. And that is the Owen Odyssey. Thanks for listening. Uh, TTFN, dickheads. Up yours. Up yours.